Hey everyone, welcome to our podcast for this week. Hope you're doing well, wherever and whenever you are. Over the last few weeks, we've been doing a countdown to Christmas. And as of today, it's Christmas Eve, so we are on the doorstep of Christmas. Merry Christmas in advance. And uh, we have been doing our own kind of version of Advent. Many churches do Advent this time of year. And this tradition has stretched over 1,500 years. Maybe you do Advent chocolates. Maybe you do... uh, but whatever it is that you and your family do to count down the Christmas, we've been doing a bit of a countdown ourselves. And the predominant theme of Advent is found in that word, Advent, which comes from the Latin word Adventus. And it's about setting our sights and preparing our hearts and even reminding ourselves of what this season is all about. You know, we all prepare lots of things at Christmas time the tree, the lights, the shopping, the food, family plans. But do we take time to prepare our hearts? Do we take time to reflect on all this season means to us as Christians? And it says in Romans 14, 17, which has kind of been our key verse for this whole series. It says, For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. And we see some building blocks of Christmas, of this kingdom coming to earth. And they are righteousness, peace, and joy. And Jesus' birth represents God being with us. In fact, in Isaiah, which is largely a prophecy about Jesus written over 700 years before his birth, it says this in Isaiah 7, verse 14. All right, then the Lord himself will give you the sign. Look, the virgin will conceive a child. She will give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. So this this kingdom of God is coming to earth. Jesus said that the kingdom of God is within our grasp. And Romans shows us that there's some building blocks to this kingdom of God, and they are righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. And Christmas is a reminder that the King has come, and He invites us to be part of this kingdom of righteousness, peace, and joy. The kingdom is not so much about a place, like a realm. It's more so about who is reigning in my life today. Who's your King today? It's not a matter of eating or drinking or religious rules. It's really about righteousness, peace, and joy. And we've been talking about each of these. We, we took a week to talk about joy and how joy is not a result of external circumstances like the world would say, but it is a fruit of the Spirit that comes out by our choices and yielding to God in His ways. In Philippians 1, we learned that joy comes via our gratitude, being grateful, our faith, having a perspective of faith, our love choosing the way of love, and our priorities, keeping the most important things the most important. And as we make these decisions, the Holy Spirit produces this fruit of joy in our lives. And then we talked about peace, and we learned that peace is not just an escape from disturbance, like the world would say, but the kingdom of God's definition of peace is actually a person, and his name is Jesus. When I'm in his kingdom, in his presence, I can experience peace true peace. Peace with God and peace in life. No one can have the peace of God until they are at peace with God. It can all be summed up with this great quote from Thomas Merton. He says, we are not at peace with others because we are not at peace with ourselves. And we are not at peace with ourselves because we are not at peace with God. And last week we talked about righteousness and how Jesus is righteous. Jesus did righteous things. He makes us righteous And then that means we can do righteous things. It's not just stuff I do, but it's who I have been changed into from the inside out. He makes me righteous by faith 
in Jesus. Amen. But for today, on this last Sunday before Christmas Day, Christmas Eve, the countdown is over. I want to conclude this series. You know, we've been reading Romans 14, 17. We read it before, our kind of key verse. But just a few verses later in Romans 15, the Apostle Paul starts to conclude his letter to the Romans. And it says this in verse 13 of Romans 15, I pray that God, the source of hope, will fill you completely with joy and peace because you trust in Him. Then you will overflow with confident hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. Let me pray. Lord, I thank you for everything that Christmas Eve represents, for this countdown to the coming King, and we honor you, and I pray that you would help us see a hopeful way, a hope-filled future in Jesus' name. Amen. Have you ever felt hopeless? I remember when I moved to Australia as a young kid from Canada, I was introduced to this weird game called cricket. What a weird game. And this weird way to throw a ball. It's called bowling. (laughs) And this weird way to hold a strange-looking cricket bat that looks like someone had run over it. Uh, And as a Canadian, I had no idea what this game had to do with crickets or what to do. And I remember trying to bowl for the first time. I was hopeless, a no-hoper, and I'm still hopeless. It's just not in my DNA. Uh, In fact, the term hopeless is really part of the Australian vernacular. You're hopeless, mate. Yeah, yeah. The Bulldogs are hopeless. The weather at Carol's in the Park was hopeless, right? All these things. It's just part of the common language of Australia. And I think all of us resonate with the idea of hopelessness and how it's not good. It's not good to be hopeless. The inability to get better, the inability to, to improve, that sense of despair. Life can be hopeless at times. But this is the beauty of Christmas, that God descended into a hopeless world to bring hope. All of us are hopeless at keeping God's standard, just like I'm hopeless at bowling a cricket ball. It says in Romans 3.23, for everyone has sinned, we all fall short of God's glorious standard. You know, onto a more familiar game for me, in baseball, a much more civilized sport, baseball, uh, they often have, uh, in the professional league, someone come out to do a ceremonial first pitch. And they basically get out there and they throw a pitch and, you know, it's, you know, they often give away the ball to charity and all that kind of stuff. Uh, but one of the worst things to do when you do a ceremonial first pitch is to fall short, to not make it. In fact, it's quite synonymous with doing the ceremonial first pitch to try too hard and like look up 50 cents first pitch, and you'll know what I'm talking about. He completely misses, because no one wants to fall short. Well, the Bible tells us that all of us fall short of God's standard. We are all hopeless in that regard, and this is the beauty of Christmas. God descended into a hopeless world to bring hope. God pursued a hopeless people to bring them hope. I'm sure we've all seen pictures of the nativity around, you know, there's different versions of what the nativity looked like. Often we see in the shopping centers and stuff that really clean looking nativity scene, you know, maybe a little wooden tent. Um, And this is what most people kind of picture Jesus' birth looking like. But in truth, Jesus was born in much more hopeless circumstances. Uh, There are a number of theories as to what kind of conditions Jesus was born in. The most popular is that he was born in like an animal shelter underneath a house. Uh, Most uh, homes in that 
time of history were were built in a way that underneath them they had like a shelter for for animals um so you know there's one picture there being born amongst the animals uh, uh, the, and another theory is that he was born in a sheepfold cave which uh very synonymous with that time in history shepherds in bethlehem would find caves uh where they would take their sheep and and they would build up rocks at the entrance to stop the sheep from exiting. In fact, there's a couple of very famous uh, shepherd caves in that area that have been converted into little churches, and they're kind of uh, um, tourist attractions now. If you go there, you can go to what they believe could be a possible birthplace of Jesus in these shepherd caves. But the whole point is, regardless of of, uh, whether it was a cave or whether... the, the, The thing was, Jesus' birth was not this pretty... Uh, starlit night, you know, where where everything was clean and everyone's clothes were perfect and nice blue color, you know, around Mary, all this kind of stuff. No, no. Jesus was born into chaos and messiness with old hay and manure and mold. It's pretty gross. He, he definitely wasn't born in a pretty wooden shelter. Uh, there's no golden, clean straws of hay, no warm light, just damp stench. But this is where our hope was born. It's a beautiful picture of God stepping into the mess of our hopelessness and offering us hope, offering us a chance, an opportunity to be forgiven of our sin, an opportunity to know God personally, an opportunity to enter heaven with Him for eternity. This is the hope of Christmas, that the King of righteousness, peace, and joy didn't arrive with a royal procession. He arrived humbly, in simplicity, without fanfare, wrapped in cloth. Luke chapter 2 verse 7 says, she gave birth to her firstborn son. She wrapped him snugly in strips of cloth and laid him in a manger because there was no lodging available for them. Now, we usually gloss over this detail, assuming that these cloths were just like blankets or something, or like the fancy towel that, you know, the public hospitals give you when when your kid is born. Uh, But there are details in Jesus' birth that show us a beautiful message of hope. According to some theologians, Levitical law requires that lambs that were born to be Passover sacrifices were wrapped in linen strips as soon as they were born in order to keep them blemish-free. And for those who aren't familiar, the Levitical law required that a sacrificial lamb for sin or peace or, or, or to basically make make things right with God, uh, would need to be uh, blemish-free. So they would wrap them in these protective cloths to stop them from getting bruised. And these unblemished wrapped lambs were used to be sacrifices for the sins of the people. And we know that Jesus would eventually be crucified in the Jewish during Jewish Passover, and he would be known as the Lamb of God. Even early in his life, in John chapter 1, verse 29, it says, The next day John, that's John the Baptist, saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And when Jesus was sacrificed as this Lamb of God, his body was once again wrapped in cloths in his burial. John chapter 19, verse 40 tells us, Following Jewish burial custom, they wrapped Jesus' body with spices in long sheets of linen cloth. What a contrast. Jesus went from being wrapped in glory and majesty to being wrapped in humble earthly cloth 
in his, both in his birth and after his death. And this is what Christmas reminds us of. It's the, the source of hope entering the hopeless, the sinless reaching out to the sinful, the powerful encountering the powerless, the one robed in majesty now wrapped in cloth. I remember I used to go on um, school camps when I was a high school chaplain, been to many, many school camps, and uh, there was this one camp in particular that had like a mud obstacle course. And I remember they'd tell all the kids, bring some clothes you don't want anymore. And we would go through the mud obstacle course. And me, being the chaplain, had to be like, of course, the guy who's like, come on, kids, let's just go for it. And I hated it, but I, I just did it anyway for the sake of camaraderie and, and you know, being there with the kids. And you crawl through, you know, tunnels of mud and all. it was just gross, right? And I just remember how amazing it felt when I finally got back to my cabin and got into clean clothes and had a shower and just felt so clean. And this is like what Jesus is offering us. We're, 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 we are all wrapped in, in our hopelessness. Uh, but we can, by faith in Jesus, be made clean, be made right with God. And we can be wrapped in His love, in His hope. In Galatians chapter 3, verse 26 to 27, it says, For you are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. And all who have been united with Christ in baptism have put on Christ like putting on new clothes. This is hope this Christmas that we would be made right with God, that the perfect eternal God would be wrapped in our sinfulness and that we would be wrapped in his hope and love. So what are you wrapped in this Christmas? Are you wrapped in sin? Are you wrapped in hopelessness? Are you wrapped in stress, family stress, regret, come to Jesus today and give your life to him and watch him wash you white as snow. Watch him wash off that sinfulness and make you a new person, that you may be made right with him and experience true hope, that hope not just for tomorrow and the next day but and day by day, but also hope for eternity with him. And if you want to accept Jesus into your heart today and, and accept his offer of hope and forgiveness and friendship, I want you to say this prayer as I pray it out loud. Make it your own personal prayer to him this Christmas. It says this, Dear Jesus, I pray to you today and I ask you to forgive my sin. I give my heart to you. I believe in you. I believe you came and that you gave your life on the cross for my sin. I believe you rose again. And today I receive by faith your forgiveness and friendship. I thank you that I will enter heaven one day to be with you forever. Help me on this journey of following you. Amen. Amen. And if you did say that prayer this Christmas, we'd love to give you a Bible. Come and visit us at church. We're back in person on the 14th of January. The next couple weeks, we're online, okay? So make sure you tune into our online service, 9 a.m. at everyonechurch.online.church. Find all the links on our website and Instagram and stuff like that. We'd love to have you join us. Hey, have a great, great Christmas and an amazing new year, and we'll see you soon.